Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello and welcome to the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I am not Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. I am filling in for Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. I'm Terrence Turner. And today we are joined by uh, sound extraordinaire, uh, sound expert, uh, all around very good person and very good guy, Andre McCray. How's it going today, sir? How do you how, how how do you do, sir? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Doing great. Doing Thank great. You for me. So, uh, for for people who don't know, Andre um, not only handles sounds for for high level clientele. Andre handles the sound here at Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, tell me about the uh, the experience as far as handling corporate clients because you have a big experience with that. You've done concerts and everything else to handling churches what's the difference in that uh it's not much of a difference the only difference is uh mostly for me being in the music industry uh it's more of an actual performance as opposed to here the focus is more on the speaking it's more on the minister um so which is that that kind of creates more of an easier job for us because whenever we're doing sound for a band or a concert then it's a lot of things that are going on at one particular time so that means you know you're actually you know making sure the background vocal mics are uh consistently working in there at a certain level but you do um, but, but you guys do have to deal with with kind of concert-esque type things as well too because of the choir and the musicians as well yeah but it's not as much going on uh like it's not as it's not as demanding put it like that you know okay. you have you deal with certain artists of a certain caliber you know they they really <laughs> they really expect a lot from you so some of them not, not gonna say all but some of them expect a lot some of them are you know they're very very picky nitpicky in what they actually ask for as opposed to a choir you know or a church that only has a keyboard a piano Mm-hmm. on a drummer, you know, so it's not as much going on as opposed to, you know, when you're doing a concert, yeah, you have, you know, you may have a pianist, you may have a, a keyboard player, but then you, you got to make sure that all your drums are, are mic'd and so forth as opposed to here. We do mic all the drums, but that's just strictly for recording purposes only, but they're used to any environment they go in, whether it's large or small, they want that arena feel. Mm, got you, you know? got you. Now, let me back up just a, a little bit because we, we kind of jumped into it, but Give us a little background about exactly how you got started in this industry, um, and and for those who don't know, you you have your own company dealing with this industry. Correct. It's not like you know you just kind of, you know, vacillate between this person and that person. You actually have a, a an established company that, that that does contract work with people. Well, um, I've been doing this now for thirty years. Uh, thirty. 30 years, yes, sir. Um, I thought you were 30. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I started DJing when I was 15, um, and it, it kind of came about kind of 
very interesting because I mean I just really like music you know uh, to begin with so I used to order all the CDs and, and cassettes and things and that other did you did you order the CDs from the catalog you got to pay a penny and, yeah but then we never that. paid the penny I paid the penny you paid the penny okay <laughs> I think they still want the penny from me <laughs> yeah Columbia House and uh, BMG uh, when they would actually give you the 10 tapes for you know a penny or, or 12 oh, I got tapes a lot of albums yeah, off of them. so yeah I started you know collecting you know as a music collector and then from there it grew into uh, my cousin lived down the street and uh, he used to throw a lot of parties so he was like well man hey you know won't you come DJ uh, party for us I was like uh, okay it was like man you got all the music you got everything you know so I was like okay but at that point in time I didn't have a sound system so me and uh, this guy one of my buddies real close friends of mine uh, Randy Morris he actually his brother had an older brother he had a sound system little house you know house stereo yeah. so he you know he was like yeah man y'all can, y'all can use it so you know Randy he had a lot of music too because his brother was a huge Prince fan man so he loved Prince and, and all the you know uh, older hits and so forth so he had a bunch of music EPMD all that type of stuff so we kind of collaborated um with that and uh the business kind of took off i mean mm-hmm. we started djing like i say with a, a, a dual deck cassette player uh from there um as i got older and, and uh got to college you know was, i would say well i would say when i was senior in high school i probably purchased my first um dj system which means i got my own little tower house speaker uh, fisher system mm-hmm. uh i bought me a turntable you know used from the pawn shop you know just kind of started really putting emphasis on being a dj because i really did like music um originally i was a saxophone player you know i played um uh, saxophone since i was in the fourth grade um in every single band you can think of concert band uh marching band uh from um, started, I think, at St. Pius when I was uh, at St. Pius. So you played the saxophone? Mm-hmm. Alto saxophone, yes. I played the alto sax. Yeah. So that's, I ain't know. Yep. And then yeah, from there, progressed to college to the human jukebox. But, um, you know, but yeah, so that that's kind of how, you know, I got in the, into the music industry. And then from there... Uh, when I got to college, it was a demand for larger parties because I did a lot of fraternity parties, a lot of sorority parties. So at that point, you know, you're talking about a crowd of, you know, 500 to 1,000 people. I mean, I did LSU. I did Southern. So now, did the fraternities ever try to recruit you? Like, hey, we're going to have our own exclusive DJ now? Um, Not really because, I mean, I was one of the very popular DJs back then during my time uh, at Southern University. And, I mean... I guess the fraternities actually would communicate either to the, you know, the, the fraternities at LSU, you know, and vice versa, as well as the sororities, you know, that, hey, this is the DJ we use, or they would either be at the parties, you know, when they did, they I'm thinking they would have so. been trying to get, like, a discount, like, uh, hey, you know, look, yeah, make them a cue. <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, they, I mean, I was very, I was very reasonable, though, during yeah. that time, because, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to be a businessman at an early age, so, you know, it's like, as soon as I got to college, I mean, I was the guy that showed up as a freshman with a briefcase, a leather attache case, <laughs> I had a I, uh, I had a pager. I had a bag cell phone. Uh, I mean, you know. It, did you get accused of being? Yeah, a I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Because that it. that seems like a, <laughs> I got the, those the, accusations. The, the, the '90s drug dealer uniform. Yeah. Like you, you, you. What you just described is uh, what's the guy on Lean on Me that showed up? <laughs> uh, he had the suit on. Like, oh, I want to be like you, Mr. Clark. <laughs> yeah, like you. <laughs> yep, I did get accused. Kid Ray, of that. you were Kid Ray. <laughs> I actually did get accused of that. Um, you know, people, what do you do? You know, you know. <laughs> 
you know, this is, I, I mean, and I still get told that today, like, you know, DJs really make this kind of money, you know, stuff like that. But it, it's it's all in fun. I'm like, this is all I do. You know, I enjoy it. You know, as real, you know, but back then, I probably had more money than I got now because back then I worked in retail. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say I started off when I was a junior in high school at McDonald's, and then I kind of went from there to high neighbor to I kind of worked my way up through the ranks to uh, my first, I don't say first real job, but first job where I was a manager was at Circuit City. Um, I was a floor supervisor before that at Office uh, Max when they were over there in Cortana. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then uh, was recruited over to Circuit City by one of my buddies, um, Reginald Wells. Well, he's a good friend now, wasn't a friend then. Um, and then from there, you know, I kind of learned management. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I learned uh, I learned a lot. I mean, I actually went up through the ranks at Circus City to where I was in a position to uh, be either the operations manager or store manager, which was next on my list, which I uh, did not do. And then from there, we all left, and uh, I went on to supervise and uh, at Super Target, opened up the one in Lafayette. Okay. So... Uh, from a business standpoint, um, you know, the way my company kind of started, like I say, I started as a DJ, but then I kind of learned through management um, how to actually be a business owner. You mm-hmm. know, retail experience and management experience helped me to learn that. Uh, then I went from retail over to finance. I worked for Wells Fargo for right at about three and a half to four years uh, where I learned how to deal with finances. No, so you know how to deal with people on the management side and you know how to deal with money on the finance side. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. you know, I have experience in both of those areas to say that, you know, I have a, a bachelor's and a master's degree in therapeutic recreation, <laughs> which is working with people with, through disabilities, through recreative skills. So, uh, hey, man, how prepared are you trying to be, man? I mean, you. so you mean to tell me you can you can you can help me with my finances. That's right. You can help me uh, uh, manage people. That's right. And if I got a kink in my neck, you can help me with that, too. <laughs> well, no, I ain't say was massage. <laughs> No, I can't help you with the kink in your neck. But, but as we say, you know, those are those that that fall, falls more with people with disabilities, and we try to create a, a happy place for them. Is what okay. that would be. Okay. So, you know, say for example, if you. Um, you know, you became an older, an elderly person, and I hope to become uh, elderly one day. Absolutely, you know, and, and your your thing was you enjoy horseback riding. Where our goal is to to keep you doing the things that you enjoy doing to make life happy for you, so gotcha. you don't fall into a depressed state. Gotcha. You know, some people the older they get, they feel like, oh, I can't, I can't do the things I used to do. Mm. You know, I used to like to swim. Well, we try to create a treatment plan for you to be able to do those things, regardless of what your disability may be. Uh, you know. Whether it be Alzheimer's, whether it be, uh, you know, amputated leg, you know, mm-hmm. our goal is to create a treatment plan to where we keep you active and doing something, whether it's arts and crafts or whatever, you know, whatever you like to do, you know, could be wheelchair basketball, you know, just because, you know, you used to play basketball, so mm-hmm. you can find a wheelchair right now. So our job is to find a place you can do wheelchair basketball and put you, set you up and put you in that position. So I'm pretty sure people are listening to this right now and they had no idea <laughs> just... <laughs> Just how knowledgeable you were. They just some people, you know, especially you know, if if you go here to Shiloh, you may only see Dre as the tall guy walking around with the iPad. That's but right. clearly, 
clearly he had a life before the iPad. <laughs> yes, I did. Have a life before the iPad. And clearly he has just a vast <laughs> level of knowledge. So I'm you say a little knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So 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 you spoke about not only you know the art of DJing and and also the art of just managing sound. You know Correct. because there's a difference in being a DJ and there's then a being a sound engineer. Correct. But then you also have to wear the hat of a business management person almost because I mean you know you have your own company. Mm-hmm. Which one of those hats do you find yourself wearing more nowadays? You know, now that you're established, you have other sound engineers and other DJs working under you now. Mm-hmm. You know, which one of those do you fit, do you find yourself doing more often now? Though? Um, right now, the hat that I, I would say I wear the most would be the hat of the business owner, um, because when I say the business owner, I mean I'm, I'm responsible now for the marketing aspect of the business. I'm responsible for building the clientele of the business so that the DJs and the sound engineers that <clears throat> I've brought aboard uh, have jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, they have work, you know, to be able to do. So right now, I think that's probably the... Uh, the most demanding part of being a business owner is actually being able to market yourself, get yourself, make yourself available to other clients, bring in new clients, uh, you know, to see how you can better their situation or whatever the event may be. Um, and, you know, with the competition that's already out there, because, you know, there's always going to be the, 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 less experienced DJs, you know, we're not going to say low budget, but the less experienced DJs, the DJs who are just coming into the game as opposed to me, I'm 45, uh, <clears throat> I'll be 45 this year, you know, where they're coming in and, and you know, and, and they're, you know, not saying that they're not talented, but they may not know as much. And they don't know all, all, they don't all, know all the ins and outs. Right, they don't know all the ins and outs of the business, but at the same time, they may be talented as far as for with the music that they play, you know, because gotcha. I, mean, I can honestly say, you know, back then, you know, when I listen to a professional DJ, a turntable, it's a guy that's mixing and scratching and transitioning. You know, I wasn't that guy. I wanted to be that guy, but, you know, I'm booking gigs back then for $50, $75, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to these guys are probably making two, three hundred, you know, two, three hundred dollars back in the 80s, you know. Man. So, you know, that was good money, you know, back then. So did they have the briefcase and suit, too? No, probably not. I mean, a lot of it's funny, you know, and the reason I say it's funny because I look at the DJs that um, are out there. I'm probably one of the few DJs that, you know, when people see me, I'm I'm dressed like, you know, they're more hip hop style, you mm-hmm. know, they T-shirts, tennis shoes and, you know, sweatsuits and stuff like that. And I was always the guy where I show up with Gucci shoes on the DJ party, you know, with but, slacks and, and, and jeans. And I, and I guess that goes more into the 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 persona and the reputation that you've built about yourself is that you are a person that is really about your business right which you know i think that is something that probably needs to be displayed more you know when you think of dj everybody does tend to always think of the guy who's just wearing jeans and a t-shirt and they kind of just show up with equipment and that's it that's right and with you i also i i think that probably invokes more confidence with people when they when they book you because they say okay this guy seem this ain't the the typical average right. he takes the time to focus on all of the small things exactly you know it's not just about you know showing up with like you say the speakers and the turntable 
tables and the laptop now, you know, but the image, you know, we want to make sure that we give you a, a, an image that you won't forget, you know, at your party. We want to make sure that we're dressed apart. So if you had a theme party, you know, and you say, hey, it's an all white party, you know, we want to wear all white. You yeah. know what I mean? Because we don't want to be the guy over there in all black. <laughs> and everybody, you know, else, everybody else is in white, <laughs> you know, so, you know, that's why I try to, you know, and, it, and it, things like that have happened, you know, where sometimes I've actually showed up, you know, and that may have either been because I came from another event to there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because sometimes we may have two or three events in a day. Or it could be where, you know, that particular client didn't tell me they had a theme, which has happened before because I guess they didn't feel like it was important to, you know, to tell me that, yeah. you know, hey, there's a theme uh, for this party. So, you know, it's kind of funny now because, uh, you know, my girlfriend, she'll ask me more so along the lines of, Hey, is there, there a certain dress? <laughs> you know, she wants to know because she want to make sure she's not out of place. Exactly, you know, so exactly. you know, with that, that puts a little bit more of a uh, emphasis on me to be like, oh, hey, hey, so yeah, what's the, by what's the way, the, what's the color code for, for this event that you got going on? You know, is it jeans? Is it dress up event? Is it you know what is it? You know, mm-hmm. so uh, so yeah, we try to definitely make sure we we follow that and and make sure that we come dressed apart. We come with all the equipment that's needed to make sure that your event is a blast. Now that that also kind of leads me. To to another question um, even about how you you, you, you you go about dealing with your clientele so not only do you provide sound you provide a whole atmosphere if I'm understanding correct as yeah. well too about you yeah uh, you 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 I've heard you speak before about providing lighting and all these different other elements so because I think again people have this concept where they say okay I'm a, I'm a book a DJ or, right. or, or or a sound person for this event because it may not be particularly DJ and it might be we want you to handle our whole PA system and everything which is what you do as well correct but you bring a whole environment with you do you not our focus now uh, as I've grown in the business is to create a production that's what we're trying to do. Uh, what you see on TV, when it comes down to, uh, you know, like I was watching this morning, American Idol, The Voice, and, um, you know, different concerts and things, you know, the, the Grammys, you know, our goal is to create a mini stage mm-hmm. of that. You know, I, I got moving head lights. I got monogram lighting for your wedding. If you want to have Mr. and Mrs. on the wall, mm. you know, such and such, you know, got married June of, you know, 2020. We can put that on the wall for you. We got up lighting that can go all around the room. Uh, we've got a dry ice fog machine that can lay a, a layer of, of fog on the floor, you know, for you to make your grand entrance in and mm. make it look like you're walking on the clouds, you know. So we got trusts. We've got uh, monitors where we can do video mixing, you know. I got uh, probably... 3,000, 4,000 videos that I can DJ between and those videos to show on the screens that we mount on those trusts. Hmm. Um, so, yes, we, we've, we've got a wide array. And today, uh, actually, we just ordered the glass stage today. So now we... Okay, now there. tell me about this glass stage. So you, <laughs> so so you, you gotta... said that real nonchalantly, like, you yeah. know, we ordered a glass stage, yeah, you so know. So if people, are, if people are listening, paint, paint the picture of, of this glass stage. Well, you know, I ordered a uh, 16 
by 20 glass stage, you know, so we do a lot of band situations. And sometimes it can just be used as a platform for a wedding party, you know, mm-hmm. if they just want to sit up there. But the glass stage uh, has an adjustable height up to three feet off the ground. And uh, it's it's all glass. Literally, you can put lights under it and whatever you put the lights under, you can illuminate that entire floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you make it red, blue, green, whatever color you choose. And, uh, you know, it's it's your day. You know, you can be in the spotlight, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can also use it as a runway for uh, fashion shows. It can break down and we can create a runway for a fashion show, which is uh, kind of stuff that they, you know, do in New York and so yeah. forth. Um, and it'll give you that certain appearance that last stage I've seen um, on certain pictures where they actually put it in a pool. You know, they had a couple got married and that was dial for the bride and groom to walk down, uh, mm-hmm. for the bride to walk down and the uh, pastor wait awaited at the other end of the pool and they stood on the glass stage on top of the pool. So you definitely raising the ball. Yes, I am. <laughs> that is my focus. Now, I too. can't even say you're raising the ball. You, you, you're, you're redefining what the ball is. Well, you know, these are all things that are available to us and, and my goal, like I say, with Baton Rouge being a, a small city, um, you know, it's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people here don't get to see. You know, mm-hmm. like not everybody is able to travel and go out of town. So my thing is, if you can't travel and see it, I want to bring it to you. Okay. Now, speaking of Baton Rouge, you know, the city that we reside in mm-hmm. um, and you being the in-demand sound company that you are, you've, you've also uh, had to provide sound for some political events as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Or, or events that involve politics or anything correct can you tell me a little bit about that yeah we've done um we've done sound for uh sharon weston broom uh we did a sound system for her event uh which was um who is the mayor of Baton Rouge? Yeah, it was the mayor of Baton Rouge. Uh, Got to say that because, you know, there's <laughs> people outside of Baton Rouge actually listen to the podcast. Okay. So so that's why I want to make sure we clarify. Mayor of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Sharon Westerbroom. Uh, but, yeah, she did a um, prayer vigil. Um for senseless killing, senseless violence um, in the community. So we actually uh, did the entire sound system for that, and she had some uh, gospel artists and singers come out and perform for that. Uh, this coming up this month, we actually got the Louisiana State Troopers Association, uh, their safety event at uh, Dixie Landing. Uh, I mean, I've done Lamont Cole, um Councilman Lamont Cole of Baton Rouge, district what, 61. Uh, <laughs> we've done uh, several events for him back to school. Uh, C. Denise Marcel, state representative of uh, Louisiana. We've done uh, who, a wide array of events of her, you know, for her uh, from back to school to uh, the Gush on Christmas Parade to uh, Easter in the Park back in the day. You know, also Lamont Cole does an Easter in the Park. So just, you know, from political standpoint, standpoint, you know, numerous events. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I just received a call the other day about a um, young lady. She's running for judge uh, here in Baton Rouge, and um, she has a a day event um, out in Baker that she's trying to do, so to a community event. So, um, you know, I mean, it's it's so many events that I, I can't even, you know, Juneteenth, you know, see Denise Marcel does that in, mm-hmm. at Gush Young, you know. Um, she actually started Juneteenth over there. Uh, 
um, several years ago. So just, you know, I run across a lot of important people, man, and, and, and it's a fun, it's actually fun to work with them. Um, I know Jasiri, you know, um, he's an activist here in, in uh, EBR as well, and he, he does certain community events and a lot of things he has going on. Um, so we kind of run sound, you know, I've done sound for him. Me and him have worked together. Mm-hmm. We've longtime friends. So, uh, you know, just everybody's working together. You yeah. know, that that's kind of the focus here, you know, to kind of make sure that we try to make Baton Rouge as safe as it can be and as well bring a lot of different things to the community that, like I say, these kids haven't seen and then we kind of focus on it because, you know, one thing about them is, you know, these kids now, they, they need something to do. They need something to focus on. Right. They need to be able to see people like me, regardless of my educational background, that, hey, they're, you know, you can't have a business and be successful and not necessarily have to go to college. You know, those are things that you can do, um, but you do need to make sure that you're pushing forward in a positive direction. Um, <clears throat> you know, because a lot, a lot of kids now think that, you know, you know, selling drugs is the only way I can make money, exactly. you know, which is it's not. sports. You know, yeah, our sports, right. So, you know, we just want to be able to show them that there, there's a lot of diversity, man, a lot of things that you can do that you don't have to go to school for and be highly successful. You so, know? Yeah, so we, we want to make sure that the, the, that the kids out there know that, you know, you're not odd if you show up to school wearing a suit right. and got a briefcase. Correct. And a pager. That don't mean that you got to be a drug dealer. That, That's right. That just means you're in business training. That's right. So, hey, to all my adolescents out there that's under 18, if you going to school and you want to rock a suit, you rock your you suit. You rock your suit. And you bring your briefcase. You don't have to have a book bag. Bring a briefcase. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right? And I spent a lot of money on that briefcase. There you go. You know, and, you, and they don't have pages anymore, but, you know, hey, use, your, use, use your phone, phone for more than just Candy Crush. That's right. It's a platform, man. There you it's go. It's a platform. It's, you know, now. They actually, you know, the funny part about it is a, a lot of these kids don't understand, I guess, you know, with us and the times that we, we grew up in, you know, they have social media. You know, they have ways to reach out a lot and easier. touch people, you know, from a marketing standpoint to let people know they exist. Exactly. You know, we didn't have that. You, you know, I mean, the flesh. Yeah, you know, those, those things, you know, literally you, you only knew the people who you were in the city with, that you went to school with. Or, your circle. You know, yeah, your circle, you know, that you met from other people. So our job. Our job and, and connecting with clients and, and finding business partners and things of that nature, man, was a lot more difficult as opposed to what they have now and what's been set up for them. Um, but yeah, you know, those are, those are just things that, you know, platinum recording and sound, uh, we kind of focus on, man. And, and I try to make sure that my, all of my staff, they, they remain happy and they're very humble guys, very good guys, man. They, they, they hold it down whenever I'm tied up or, or mm-hmm. I'm sick or something. They got it. You know, that's one thing I can definitely say I can call and Dre, I got taken care of, you know, and I feel, you know, and, that, and that's yeah. great, you know, as a business owner, if you're comfortable that, you know, your people can definitely step in, step in and, and make sure that everything runs smoothly. So. Now, do do you take a lot of do you take more joy in that now because like you Absolutely. said you 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 you've been doing it for thirty years right I almost said fifteen I said no you got to add another fifteen and that <laughs> and, you know he he'll he'll look like it but yeah so but thirty for so thirty years well, we, in this right we've been we we actually we make fifteen years this year uh, platinum recording and sound as an LLC will make uh, fifteen years this year this will be our fifteen year anniversary uh, I take you know great pride you know and it, it was hard to do but I take great pride in being able to uh, hand over the baton and mm-hmm. allow these guys to, you know, do what they do because um, now, like I say, my focus, I still DJ, you know, but 
the music has changed so much, man. I mean, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy DJing because I still do. But just the, the, the way the music is now and the way the partying is now is totally different. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't dance as much as we used to. Yeah, they know. just they yeah, just go there and, t- and, and take pictures. Everything, and... Yeah, everything now is more taking pictures, saying, hey, I was in the building, I was there, but, you know, it's like... Did you really enjoy yeah, did you really enjoy yourself? Right, you know, and I mean, and, and if that's fun to them, that, that's great, but I'm just so used to that moving crowd. I'm so used to people just, you know, when you play certain music, man, the dance floor is just super packed, you know. Yeah. You know, and... I guess you feed off the energy too. Correct. You exactly. know, and that and and typically, you know, in my day, it was from start to finish. I mean, even when we had high school dances at the gym, <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, we oh, we, we cut up. You know what I mean? At high school, you know, what I'm saying we wasn't around there, wasn't like, oh, what the teacher gonna say? Well, the teacher looking at us, man. You know, like we weren't like, hey, y'all throwing us a day. We gonna have fun. Yeah, we gonna party. You know, so just now things are a lot different. It's more of a fashion show now. You know, yeah. everybody, you know, want to come and just hang out and and socialize, which is fine. You know, like I said, I have no problem with that but it's 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 almost like the dj is not the primary focus it's a necessity mm-hmm. but he's not the focus it's almost like you're in the background okay you know uh at least for the first couple of hours you yeah. know what i mean because as they all get in there they have to socialize and mingle and so forth so the party doesn't start to two hours later yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you gotta understand that you're gonna get an hour and a half to two hours of partying and that's it yeah. you know you're not you're not gonna party for four straight hours but um but yeah i take a joy like i say in passing the baton now because I prefer to be I'm not gonna say more hands off, but I prefer to be the guy to, to know that everything is gonna run regardless of whether I'm there or not. Yeah. And yeah. I and and I think that is that that's definitely a a, a tangible uh, thing to look at as far as success is not only you know what you've done for yourself, but also how you've empowered others as well. Sure. And and being able to say you know hey. I didn't just make myself myself successful. Correct. It's ten other people that I can look at, and I made them successful, or I contributed to their success. Correct. You know, and then from there, that that lineage kind of continues on because if you help empower ten people, then hopefully they each individual empower ten other people after them, and then it just continues on and on and on. Right. Now, this being uh, a podcast based in a church, you know, I do want to ask, how does your faith play into, you know, how you move in life as far as being a businessman, an entrepreneur? Because, you know, anybody who knows anything about business, they know that it's it, it, it is a very risky thing to get into. Correct. You know, because there's no safety net at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, <Or> it. <laughs> exactly. And, and and I know you you even spoke before when you when you first started. You know, you you would be DJing, but you know you had a job here in there. Correct. But, you know, 15 years in, as far as having your company established, mm-hmm. there's no other job. This is what you do. So how does how does one's faith play into that every day where you get up and it's like, okay, um, got to get up and get it? You know, <laughs> the, 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 uh, does your faith play into, well, into that? Well, I mean, just through my entire life, you know, and, and I, I – I trust the Lord to you know to order my steps. You know the Lord is going to order my steps in which He's done. Uh, and I, I mean, once I left you know Wells Fargo, um, that was my last job that I physically worked at. Mm. You know, I never looked back. I mean, I left and I had probably nine, ten thousand dollars in the bank. And uh, he says it's so nonchalant. I mean, yeah, that's what I had in the I bank. Had nine, nine to ten thousand dollars in the bank, and and I mean literally. 
probably after about nine months of trying to, you know, acquire business, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was still making money, but it, it the hardest part for me was the fact that I DJ just on weekends because I worked these other jobs, mm-hmm. you know, so with me just DJing on weekend, I had to start looking at the simple fact, I'm like, man, okay, I just DJ on weekend, I'm making, you know, $200 on a Friday, $200 on a Saturday, that's only $400 a week, Yeah, you know, we got to find something else to generate some more revenue to make up for the other days because this is not enough for me to be able to live off of. Exactly. You know, so that's when karaoke came into play. Okay. That's how karaoke started, you know, of, of trying to find something else. What are they doing? You know, something has happened during the week <laughs> at these spots. Something is happening, yeah. you know. So I um, went to quite a few spots and, and, and noticed, observed that karaoke would be taking place at these daiquiri shops, man. And, you know, it would be, you know, 50, 75, 100 people in there. And I was like, well, man, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? What, what are they charging for this kind of stuff? You know, I know it can be a lot, but yeah. it's it's looking at the numbers still of, okay. still something that generates revenue. Right. Well, if I go to... No, hypothetically speaking, like I said, I worked at Wells Fargo, even though I was a salesperson, uh, you know, I got paid commission and base salary, but I think I made, you know, I was at Wells Fargo, I might have made $40,000 or $39,000 a year plus, you know, commission. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as a businessman, you know, I started looking at numbers. I started looking at how much money do I need to make a day? In order for me to be able to make sure that I made the salary that I made over there. Gotcha. You know, what I mean, that's 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 kind of what I took. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, if I'm making, if I'm guaranteed four hundred dollars a week, and I do another uh, three four hundred dollars through the course of the week doing karaoke, you know, if I can carry on Tuesday night, make two hundred, Wednesday night, make two hundred. Okay, well, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. You know, now we're turning this into a six, eight, you know, what I'm saying thousand dollar week. Yeah. I can potentially live off of that, you know, and during that time, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I established a company, but it's like, it's tax free to me because I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, don't report your taxes, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, during this Boy, time, that, that business mind kills me real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, it goes on to where I'm looking at, okay. This this could work. This could work, you know. And uh, you know, me and uh uh Adonis Reed, you know, commuting big sexy, me and him, we actually can't got together because I mean I used to DJ events when he worked at Carville mm-hmm. um job corps out there in uh in Carville, Louisiana. And uh, you know, I was like I knew he was a, a comedian, me and him went to Southern University together. I got with him, he you know, I was like, Man, what you think about karaoke? And the guy whose club I was DJing at uh Lenny at House of Blues, he had a full karaoke system. So yeah. he loved to sing karaoke. That's what he loved to do. And uh he was like, Man, you you need to learn this. And I mean the first time he told me, I was like I don't learn that, man. You know, I mean, literally, I was DJing in this yeah. club, and he came up, he showed me this whole system. Yeah, man, I just got it, man, from this guy. You know what I mean? Got all, I got like eighty thousand songs. I'm like, yeah. I mean, he had all kind of songs, man. Temptations, you name it, you know. And I'm like, nah, you know, because you couldn't see it right then. I couldn't see it, right? You know what I mean? And it, and it's, it's amazing because it's like the Lord puts you in certain positions to where He's preparing you for what's next, mm-hmm. and you know. So as I I, I I remembered that, it was you know from Him telling me to a month or two later, me calling Him back saying, "Hey man, <laughs> how much? You, remember we were talking about before, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, hey man, how much? How much is that gonna cost me?" <laughs> You know what I mean? And, he, you know, he's an older guy. You know, he's like, man, Dre, 
you know, y'all give me a, I forgot what I paid for that, man. You know, Adonis put our little peanuts together, you know, and we paid for it, you know, the software and everything. He taught me how to use it the whole nine. So from there, you know, we put together our own show. We started off at Endzone, mm-hmm. Decker Shop, and, you know, they couldn't afford to pay us. They were like, man, you know, we already got karaoke um, one night, which I think they were doing karaoke on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And it was like, you know, if y'all want to come in, man, I'm willing to give y'all a shot, but mm-hmm. y'all just get the dough. I can't afford to pay out. I mean, literally, and that's, yeah. that's kind of And we work, and, and kid, I kid you not, man, we work for six to eight months with no money, you know, with, you know, two, three people coming in here and there paying $5, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're not making Gas money. money. Right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So then the crowd started growing 15 this week, 30 this week. Before we knew it, man, in, in probably nine months, we was over 100 people. Hmm. You know, so you talking about it's five hundred dollars, two fifty for him, two fifty for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you there know, you so, and then it, it kept on going. You know, yeah. I mean, to where I think the max we put in that place was like two hundred people, man. Like we, it, it kind of became a, a wave. It was, it was a hundred would come in. You know, the dagger shop small, so you know they would be there for eight o'clock when we started. Mm-hmm. They would probably stay eight to ten because they got to go to work the next day. They leave out, you get a whole another crowd. So they just come in, cycle. Yeah, it's, it's cycle. You know, a whole another crowd. That crowd from nine. 10 to 12, you know, that's the younger people who they won't turn up. They ain't worried about going to work. They in college or whatever the case may be. They class don't start till 11. Right. So, I mean, man, it it became that spot. And then from there, you know, now we've been doing karaoke for 11 years. Wow. You know, so I went from DJing to uh, karaoke. And in between, you know, the karaoke was again something that pushed me more towards the live sound because now I already knew a little bit about sound. I was already kind of doing a little engineering here and there, but now you're controlling microphones. I'm, I'm, I'm learning more. I'm buying, you mm-hmm. know, good wireless mics because you know, I sing myself a little bit, so I want to sound good. So I'm looking, you know, yeah. d- testing out different qualities of equipment, different microphones, different mixer boards, you know, learning how to just keep the feedback out. So all of that stuff is being learned during karaoke. Yeah. Because it's more of a live set. Yeah. Hmm. And and all that and and the way all that transpired, like you said, this was something that was offered to you initially. Right. Turned it down. <laughs> right. And then the light bulb goes off again. Right. And like you said, it, it ultimately it, it's God showing you, okay, this is the direction that I'm 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 trying I'm, I'm trying to take care of you now. If, right. if you just listen to me. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. All of, all of the signs were there, and and that's the direction. That's why I say he he orders my steps, man. And you know I. I I just go along with the flow. You know, I don't I don't really, you know, as far as for, I mean, we, of course, you know, from the, the human standpoint, you know, you have to make the decision. But uh, the Lord placed on my heart about this stage, you know, that I just bought. It's like, you know, I, right now, you know, I pray about it. I pray the situation. You know, okay, I want to increase my number. You know, I know where I want my numbers to be. And, uh, you know, now it's the focus is how can I increase the amount of revenue but at the same time do less work. <laughs> Boy, that Wells Fargo just crept out again. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Because I can't clone myself, so you know, do less work. Mm-hmm. You know, so now what you start looking at is the aspect of, okay, out of all the guys that I have on my team now, you know, they're skilled in the DJ world of it. But now Let's get the money that doesn't require much skill. 
You know what I mean? Because I can teach somebody to set up a stage, and I never have to show up. And it sits out there all day, and they go back and they pick it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then, you know, following that is going to be a, a, an LED dance floor that'll be next on the list. That'll be the next purchase. And again, so now it's it's about adding the elements, the elements to the event. Correct. And then that raises the price of the event. Correct. Smart. That's right. You well, Wells go strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if we want to say that. You know, they, they're getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> that finance mind strikes again. Yeah. So, you know, it's just about, you know, the, the certain uh, certain things that generate revenue that, you know, it's almost like rental property. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like real estate, you know, because, you know, I look at a lot of my, uh, a lot of my friends and, and associates business associates now, you know, that's the big thing. They're in the real estate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they know, okay, I'm going to go spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 on this rental property and, you know, I'm going to receive a check every month for, you know, $600 to $800, you know. Yeah. It's okay. Same thing. So I run my business like real estate. Yeah. Trying to get residual income. That's right. Residual income. So I rent out this these speaker systems. I rent it to all, you know, a lot of local DJs who can't afford to buy their own sound system. Mm-hmm. You rent from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how I started. I used to rent speakers from live music. You know what I mean? Back and in the day. And now you I are the afford. live music. That's right. Now I am the live music. You know what I mean? You know, how can I, you know, you got two weddings going on at a time. Okay, well, this wedding needs uplighting. This wedding needs a stage. Well, guess what? Both of those things, nobody physically needs to stay there once it's set up. Yeah. But yet, you know, you've generated a certain amount of revenue. Nobody don't need to be there. We just got to come back and pick it up when it's over. So my goal is how can I be in multiple places at one time? How can you? So you, you used to play Monopoly a lot, didn't you? Yes, I still do. <laughs> I, can t- I can tell Monopoly player. Yeah, like that, that was do. one I of love, my favorite games. Game of, that's one of my favorite games. I love the game of Monopoly. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And and it's it's challenges the brain. I like anything that challenges the brain. Now, uh, with, with 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 all that you do and the things you've accomplished, and you know just how our city is, what do you see the future for? You know. For, for this city from the perspective of someone who's lived here, has lived his life here, has started a business here. Um, but what, 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 what is your vision? What do you see? Wh- where do you see our city going? Do you see it going in a positive direction or do you see it regressing? What's your thoughts on that? Um... And I just figured you could just answer this because, you know, again, your vast history of everything. Well, it depends on the aspect you're looking at. Um, And and it's really more of just just an opinion as far as, you know, taking into account, you know, the the societal issues of Baton Rouge, the history of Baton Rouge, and the political climate of Baton Rouge, along with the economic climate of Baton Rouge, especially, you know, just speaking from... Uh, a, a black resident's right. perspective, you know, because that's the pr- perspective we have to kind of put out there even more because mm-hmm. that's who we are. But that's, you know, ju- just in your opinion as far as w- the strides that you've made and, and mm-hmm. where do you see, you know, kind of the city in the whole. And like I said, you, you can't speak for everybody. Right, exactly. Honestly, I would say it's moving in a positive direction. And the reason that I would say that is because now, you know, growing up, I didn't put a lot of emphasis on what other people were doing. You know, I was one of those people that stayed to myself. I, you know, I observed certain things or whatnot, but as I've gotten older, you know, and crossed that 40 mark to where it's very interesting to see a lot of my colleagues 
uh, now are in politics. Mm -hmm. You know, people that I went to school with, you know, they're in politics and uh, they're successful in their businesses. Um, they're giving back more, you know, so we're all pushing to give back to these kids, you know, to try to, to, to show them another side. Uh, we occur, you know, we're pushing to curb the crime in the city because, you know, we, we do understand that a lot of this is going on from, you know, drug situation to depression, you know, uh, to to uh, abuse, uh, you know, a lot of things, you know, those things are, are what's bringing the, the community down. So we just got to get a grip on that. And I think I see a lot of people that are pulling together to decrease that. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So um, there are a lot more programs that have been put into effect now for people who have some somebody to consult um, with their problems. So I, I think we're moving in a positive direction and, and it's very interesting to see you know, that everybody's coming together especially within my age bracket and yeah. you know, the upper 30 age bracket that wants to be positive. They want to do something for the city of Baton Rouge. Um, so that's why I say it just kind of depends on you know, what aspect you're looking at. But also, you know, from an entertainment industry, because that's the industry that I work in, uh, now, you know, with these kids, there's a lot more talent that's being exposed yeah. for Baton Rouge. I mean, Baton Rouge is more on the map now. It's not just, you know... Lil Boosie, you know, was the only, you know, artist that yep. kind of made it across. You know, and people were like, oh, you know, now you, you got the Kevin Gates, you just got the Young Boys. So plethora that, of people. Yeah, you know, plethora of people. So now, you know, people are starting to identify what Baton Rouge is and where Baton Rouge is at because before that, nobody knew about Baton Rouge. They knew New Orleans. Yeah. But nobody knew about Baton Rouge. So know? now we're starting to actually feel like the capital city. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's what people always say. Like, nobody's been to Baton Rouge and it's the capital. But, you know, everybody knows about New Orleans because mm -hmm. whether it be Mardi Gras, whether it be Jazz Fest, Essence Fest, whatever. So, you know, all of the emphasis were on New Orleans because New Orleans is that metropolitan city. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That everybody thinks that's, about. That everybody thinks about. Right. You know, when you think about partying, you think about New Orleans. I mean, This is true. I want to go have fun. We go to New Orleans. You know, nobody says when we come to Baton Rouge. You know, so I think now, you know, even with the, with the promoters, you know what I mean? The promoters now, uh, with a lot of things that I've done, I've kind of inspired a lot of DJs. I've inspired a lot of promoters, man, to where they're trying to bring some different stuff to the city. You know, even TJ, you know, because me and TJ, he's a little bit slightly younger than me. But, you know, he travels a lot and he sees the same thing I see. So him mm -hmm. being a promoter, he's trying to bring, you know, what he's seen from out of town and other cities that they're doing. Hey, let me bring that to Baton Rouge because. Yeah. You know, these people like to party too. <laughs> we so, like to have a good time. We like to go somewhere nice, put our good clothes on. You know, so, so. so it's good. Other people have the glass stage mentality. See, I'm, we gonna coin that the glass stage the glass mentality. Stage mentality. That's right. That's Andre right. McCray, I appreciate you stopping by. No Speaking with us on, on on the Thrive Podcast, I appreciate you having me. Glad all of glad for all of the the knowledge that you impart upon us as far as sound and keeping everything sounding crystal clear around here as well on on Sundays and on special events. Thank you. We just really appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening and watching, and we'll see you again next time.